Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. Okay, so we're back with Season 3, Episode 9, Femme Fatale. And as you're all aware, this episode is being published out of order, and also Kim is off this week. But I'd like to thank Elizabeth, host of the Moms Going Boldly podcast, for stepping in and saving all of you from having to listen to another episode of Just Me. Which isn't so bad. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hi. You know, when I asked you to sit in on this episode and gave you all the background, I asked you under the assumption that you'd never seen this series, and then I realized it's quite possible you may have, had you? No, your genius is right on point. Again, I had never seen this series before. So this episode is the one and only episode of this series that I have ever seen. Wow. Okay. Just a little background. This was a Canadian show, which was supposed to be set in the United States. And it was one of the first shows to be aired in first-run syndication, like TNG. TNG began in September of 87, and Friday the 13th hit the air in October of 87. Oh, okay. So that's why when I was looking up the dates, because I couldn't remember the dates for TNG, I said, I wonder if she did see this, because it probably would have been aired on the local stations where TNG aired. Yeah, no, somehow I did not see it. But when TNG aired, I was in a very busy period of my life, so I made time for Star Trek, but I don't I don't remember watching much else. Okay, so the cursed antique from Friday the 13th wiki is a 16mm movie print that releases a character for the duration of the film, as long as a live person takes their place in the deadly action. So, just to begin with, I know it's from the 80s, and you're pro- <laughs> it's probably not your thing, but <laughs> what did you think okay, of it? again, coming at this completely fresh, having never seen this series before my first thought was wow this is weird (laughs) and you know I actually was able to ignore the big hair and the very (laughs) 80s and and, and I also it's funny because I do another podcast in addition to the moms going boldly and it's a podcast for two authors because I'm an author and we talk about stories and we've both been talking about because we just recently talked about the original Star Wars movie which of course was released in 1977 and we're both talking about how stories television stories movie stories were told very much more slowly and so that was the first thing I noticed when I started watching this was and how it, it built up very slowly, unlike today, where you see stuff that just the action starts almost immediately. So I had to kind of settle down and sit back and kind of get into that, oh, this is, you know, slow storytelling and sort of ease into that and go, okay, I'm going to hang with this and watch this for a while. So my first thoughts when it opened was how much I liked the texture of everything. It was very sort of, you know, like an old-fashioned murder mystery. Yes. Yeah. And I really liked that. No, I know what you're saying, yeah. I remember watching this when it came out. Apparently, I didn't watch as much as I thought I did because I have yet to come across an episode that I remember. I remember all the cast. I remember that Ryan left. I remember Johnny came in. I remember the premise. I remembered Uncle Lewis. And for some reason, there has not been one episode. Of course, there were probably no reruns. Yeah. So it doesn't embed it in my mind, apparently. But it's still like, I I know I watched it. I remember liking it. But there has not been one episode that's been familiar. Interesting. And the few things that I think I remember I haven't seen where I thought I should have seen them. Right. I don't know. So we start our story at the home of Desmond Williams, a film director from the 50s, and his actress, now bedridden wife, Lily Lita. Desmond brings his wife a cup of tea and he puts something in it. The background music is ominous. So at this point in the episode, I wondered if he was trying to poison her. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Or then maybe just try to put her to sleep. Or is he really just making her sick? I just thought he was trying to kill her. Yeah, so did I. But then nothing ever came of it. 
Right. Well, I think that it was to help her sleep. And as the show went on and, you know, we learned that he invites young women over to his house to exchange them into the movie. um, He wants her to sleep through that. He doesn't want her to hear it. So I think that's what it was. It was like, you know, taking Benadryl or something. Yeah. Like I said, at first I thought he was trying to kill her. And then I thought he was trying to keep her asleep. But then there's a point where we see that she is asleep, but then not long later, she's awake. So then I wasn't sure at all. So an aspiring actress shows up to work with Desmond, and he shows her his masterpiece, A Scandalous Woman, starring his wife, Lily, in the character of Glenda. At the point of the movie where Glenda is confronted about whatever she's done, Desmond shoves the girl into the light of the projector, and the girl is sucked into the movie, replacing the original character. Glenda, in turn, gets to come out of the movie and be with Desmond. And see, now we see that Lily's awake, which is why I was still confused about what he was trying to do with whatever he was putting in her teeth. Yeah. Well, I still think it was to put her to sleep because, you know, later when, you know, the actress in the movie, the character in the movie, not the actress, but the character in the movie comes out and demands that he kill his wife so that she can live forever, um, he puts the entire bottle in, which I'm assuming would then, like have such a sedative effect it would you know kill her so that's why i think it was like to help her sleep and i think the other reason is is that throughout this whole movie he is so reluctant to harm his wife he he you know he loves her and he's reluctant to harm her even though the character is demanding that he eliminate her so to me at the very beginning it was i think all part of the loving care of his you know bedridden wife and then of course it got progressively creepier Right. Uh, Yeah, I have questions about that later, too. Like I said, we see Lily's awake. And even though it looks like she knows what's going on, going on meaning he has a woman downstairs, but I don't think it's ever clear if she does or not. I don't think she did. Yeah, so I was wondering if she was sad because he was watching her old movies, and was she sad because he's living in the past, or was she sad because she thinks that he wants her old self? Because she looked sad. I don't think I saw that. I don't remember seeing that. She looked sad. And you could tell she could hear the movie. She was probably sad because he was reminiscing and feeling bad that, you know, she was such a burden on him. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. But, again, this is me trying to find a plot when there is one. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like I said, is she sad because she thinks he's obsessed and wants the old her back? And I know later, find out he actually wants the character not her but at this point she just looks sad and i just wonder what way she was taking hearing the movie played i'm gonna disagree with you i don't think that he wants the character i think he wants his young wife back his wife when she was young back and healthy and not bedridden and i think this is like an unhealthy form of you know nostalgia and melancholy for that because when he realizes you know the character that comes out of the film is not his wife exactly character exactly so he also sort of you kind of see him kind of going wait a minute you are not behaving the way i expect you to you know i expect you to be like my wife and you're not you're the character and then at the end she confronts him about the pulling the character from the film she says he said i wanted to remember you when you were young and she's like this isn't me right 
And so I really think that she is assuming that he's living in the past when she was young and beautiful. He's assuming that he's living in the past when she was young and beautiful and healthy. And they're both wrong. Yes, because this is not her. Right. And he's not having a relationship with her from the past. He's having a relationship with the character she played. Right. And that she created. Right, right. But it wasn't her. It was just this persona for the purpose of the movie. Exactly. But I wonder while she's listening to her movie played if she realizes that the voice she's hearing isn't hers. That's a good question. Which is why I was questioning whether or not... I mean, she couldn't possibly fathom what was really going on. Yeah, you know, who would imagine? But, and right. she could have chalked it up to, I've taken my sleeping medicine, I'm half asleep, so... True. So over at the store, Mickey's heard about another actress that has disappeared. Jack mentions that it's the sixth actress to go missing in a month's time. So Mickey checks the manifest for film, movie, or theater-related antiques. The next morning, Desmond confessed to Lily that his manuscript is not going well, and he's not inspired. She thinks he should take a break from writing and stop trying to recreate the past. Yes. But. Well, and see, that then kind of goes with the idea that she thinks he keeps revisiting the past by watching the movie. Right. Yeah. And he tells her about a film retrospective of his work at a local theater that night that he was invited to attend. Coincidentally, Johnny gets dragged to this retrospective by his date, Aaron. Just a little background. Almost none of the people Mickey, Ryan, or Jack ever dated or has any sort of relationship with in this series has ever made it out of the episode alive. (laughs) (laughs) But Aaron did. I know. I was shocked. That's funny. So at this point of the episode, I was sure that they would carry that tradition on with Johnny's dates. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So it turns out Erin wants to be a director, and she gets the chance to speak with Desmond after the show. He takes her phone number to call her when his, air quotes, course on directing begins. He takes the number of another girl, Christy Sloan, in earshot of Johnny, right after Aaron. But she ends up going home with Desmond that night. And the same thing happens with Chrissy. But this time we learn that Glenda can't stay on the outside of the movie as long as Lily is on the outside, too. Yeah. So I got to tell you, I did have this moment when I was thinking, how stupid are you going to a strange man's house in the middle of the night? I mean, okay, 87, sure. But, you know, I was an adult in 87, and there is no way in hell I would have gone home with a strange man. Because by that point, we were all females, mostly, well-trained. Maybe they weren't in Canada. (laughs) Well-trained. Now, you know, how it was your responsibility to keep yourself safe from creepy men. Right. So I'm sitting there thinking, "Um, yeah, why are you doing this? So we'll just go with Starstruck. Oh, that was definitely clear, yeah. Yeah. So first, to me, it sounded like he had to kill his wife so Glenda could stay. 
which makes yes. sense with the fantasy he has later of tossing her off the balcony. But then yes. Glenda says that he promised to put Lily in the film so Glenda can stay outside. There's a contradiction there. I guess I missed that. I only heard that his wife needed to be gone. She needed to be dead. I mean, they used euphemisms, but it was essentially, you got to murder her. Yeah. But then Glenda says that he promised to put Lily in the film, which confused me because he was having fantasies of killing her, and he did try to yeah. kill her with the poison later. Yeah. So Yeah. And then finally did, did kill her, quote unquote, with the pillow. Right. So, yeah. And maybe that was part of the evolution here. He moved from, we'll get her into the film, to going to make it look like an accident, to going to make it look like an accidental overdose, to I'm going to actually just physically do it. Right. But what I was wondering, because I'm always looking for the rules of the curse. Ah, um, okay. And this is what was confusing me, because first he was just going to kill her. And then yeah. Glinda said they, he had to put Lily into the film so Glinda could stay. So I didn't know if that was one of the rules of the curse. Yeah. Glinda threatens to end the relationship if Lily is still there the next time he brings Glinda out. I shouted at the television, let her go. She's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny arrives at the store in the morning and tells Jack about the bad date and the awful movie he was forced to watch. And he's beside himself when Jack seems excited about the movie and the fact that Desmond was there in person. And I don't know why that made me laugh, but Johnny's face, it just made me laugh. Because the more he complained, the more Jack was excited. (laughs) (laughs) So Jack mentions the movie A Scandalous Woman, which Mickey hears, and she remembers seeing that and finds a record of the movie being sold by Uncle Lewis. So then we move to the fantasy of him killing his wife, as we mentioned earlier. Yep. So back at the store, Johnny's watching the news while Jack and Mickey look through the manifest. They find that the movie print was sold to DW. As they find that, Johnny sees a report about a missing Chrissy Sloan, who Johnny remembers seeing at the showing. Mickey and Jack head out to speak with Desmond, and Johnny goes to talk to the police to see if any of the other missing actresses had any connection to Desmond. So the police visit Desmond's home to see if he recognizes Chrissy. Obviously, he says he doesn't. Which is another moment where I was like, really, people? You know, of course a murderer is going to say, oh, no, I don't recognize her. Right. And every time there is police in any of these episodes, I'm like, what are they doing? They are the worst police force known to man. Because you can't have a competent police force in a show like this and have your, your main characters, your protagonists be successful. Right. Or you can, but it takes an awful lot more work. As a writer, to make it work, to have competent police and have your protagonist be successful. Right. Kim and I just, like, we're just in awe about how bad the police is in the show. (laughs) But because of the cop's visit, he knows he's running out of time and can't keep doing this over and over again. This time he pours the entire bottle of whatever it is in Lily's tea, but he drops it before he can give it to her. So killing his wife was a good idea in theory, but he really doesn't want to do it. And I don't know if it's because he really does love her or if it's just the fear of taking a life and possibly having to pay for it. Well, I think he really loves her because he has absolutely no problem taking the lives of those young women that he shoves into the film. I mean, they die in the film and and they're brutalized and terrified as they go through this film before they die. So I don't think it's about he has, you know, any kind of reticence about taking a life because he's been doing it to get some nookie with the character. (laughs) So I think it's he really loves her. There are moments when it does seem like that. Like when he was fantasizing and throwing her over the balcony and how upset he was. So, yeah, there's moments that look like he really does love her. But I'm just wondering because the girls who get stuck in the film, their bodies aren't found. There's no body. 
Right. I was just wondering if it was the fear of being caught. That's true. He did say to the character that his wife was a famous actress and she couldn't just disappear. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, that's a good point. But, yeah, you're right. There are moments you can see glimpses of that the fact that he does love her. Yeah. So, just then, Mickey comes to the door to ask about the film he purchased. Jack hides outside. Desmond leaves Mickey alone in the study. And, of course, she searches for the film, and Desmond catches her searching through the films and insists that she watch it before he discusses selling it to her, which we know is a mistake. Right. (laughs) Of course, that's the way the show has to go. Right, right. So, I mean, I knew as soon as she went there, okay, you're going into the film. Right. And then you're going to have to be rescued at the very last minute. Right. (laughs) And, luckily, the scene went on for centuries (laughs) it did no i thought they handled it really well because she was the only one of the you know young women who were shoved into this film who fought back right and probably because it's mickey and she's been through a lot of these situations obviously she's never gotten shoved into a movie but she's been shoved into the civil war through a picture so she probably had more of her wits about her than the other people who were shoved in yeah Outside, the police show up and grab Jack, who's trying to get into the house. Desmond shoves Mickey into the light, and she ends up in the movie in the same scene as the rest of them ended up in. Glenda then threatens to kill Lily herself, which is odd because then they contradict that later. But there's a knock on the door, so Desmond sends her back to the study. The police are there with Jack, who insists that they check the study for Mickey, who's in danger. So instead of checking the study, Glenda comes out into the hallway, entryway, and tells them that she's fine and she doesn't know Jack. So they don't go any farther. Yeah, I mean, they've got a missing girl who's associated with this guy, and then somebody else is saying that a woman is in danger associated with this guy, and the police are not connecting the dots. No, and this lady comes out of the study, but she says she doesn't know Jack, and Jack says it's obviously not the girl he was looking for, and they don't go look in the study. And then the police won't listen to Jack, who does recognize her as Lily. So they escort him out of the house, and apparently to the police station, we find out later. So as Glenda tells Desmond that she'll not wait anymore, Lily calls out to him from her room. He gets her back into bed and runs back downstairs to find the front door wide open. Mickey's still struggling through the scenes in the movie, and Desmond goes outside to look for Glenda, while Glenda, who was hiding and apparently waiting for him to leave, sneaks back into the house. Now, she just said earlier that she was going to kill her herself, and then she sneaks back into the house. So we assume she's sneaking back into the house to kill her. Yeah. So Jack calls Johnny to pick him up from the police station and they drive back to find Mickey. Jack has figured out how the curse must work. He believes that Desmond must be able to recreate the movie version of Lily. So they know, because it's an Uncle Lewis curse, that means that the film will have to take a victim to replace her. Mickey's still in the movie and in another scene we hadn't seen before. But she starts to kind of play along. Desmond comes back and finds Glenda on the stairs. He's worried she's done something to Lily, but we find out that he's the only one who can kill her to make the permanent switch happen. Mm. So I don't think I connected that dot. I must have missed that. So, cool. Okay. Well, earlier, she's threatening to kill her, and then we find out later that she knows that he's the one who has to kill her. I don't remember her saying that she said she was going to kill her. I remember her saying she was going to find somebody else to do it. And then I thought she was thinking that that somebody else was going to be her. But then she didn't do it. Okay. I thought she said, I'll take care but of it I, myself. But maybe I misheard it. I do remember her saying, I'll find somebody else. But when she said that, I thought she meant she'd find somebody else, not Desmond, to be with. Oh, I, would, I but maybe I'm going to find somebody else to do this job. Oh. Either way. He's concerned she did something to her. But then she says that we know that you're the one who has to do it in order to make it work. So there's a lot of contradictions that Yeah. I guess I need to get over. 
and I still haven't. Yeah, if you are enjoying this show because you want to understand the rules of the curse, this was not a following within the the rails of the rules. Right, right. I have a hard time. You know, I've seen... millions of shows where it was just the monster of the week but there was always some kind of underlining arc yeah or something made sense or something and there doesn't seem to be any of that which apparently didn't bother me back in the 80s but <laughs> well and, and i will tell you i do have a theory about this show but we'll talk about it after okay desmond goes upstairs to his wife's room and suffocates her with a pillow while glenda looks on Jack and Johnny arrive and head for the window Mickey unlocked earlier. While Desmond and Glenda are together in the study, now he looks so devastated when he smothered his wife, but he got over it really quickly. Because I think he's convinced himself that the character is his wife. Yeah, he he probably has. You're right. Even though she's clearly not. She is an entirely different person. Absolutely, yeah. Glenda tells him that they don't have to rush anymore, but Lily, who's alive, shows up in the study with a gun, and she also says that death scenes were always her forte. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, was a wonderful twist. I was not expecting that. No, I don't think I was either. I was actually really excited about that. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> so at first, Lily thinks that Desmond just dressed Glenda up to look like her, but Glenda explains that she is Lily, and that Mickey took her place in the film so Glenda could be on the outside. Jack finally gets in to the room. Glinda runs away, and Johnny chases after her. Apparently, they have to put her back in the movie to get Mickey out if she lives. This is where the timeline got a little weird. Yeah. It should have taken them too much time for Johnny to chase Glinda to the movies. Right. And then back to the house, which was clearly out, you know, on an estate, which would make it outside of the city center. Even if it was a 10-minute walk, that was still 20 minutes to get down there and get back while this film was running and the previous scenes made it seem like... It was five minutes. It was five minutes, exactly. Yeah. That was where the timing got a little, oh, yeah, this isn't working. Exactly. Lily realizes that Desmond has done this before, and Jack confirms this and tells her that the women were never found. Desmond tries to convince her that he did it so they could be together the way they used to be. But Lily knows that it's not her that he wants, but the character that she played, which, as you said earlier, the character she created, really her as a younger, um, healthy person. Meanwhile, Glenda happens upon the theater, which we just said, that's showing the movie A Scandalous Woman, and she goes in to see it. So when she first went in, I was like, why would she go in to see it? She lives in that movie. Yeah. Then, you know, later when when we see how excited she is that her movie's being shown in theaters and that people are watching it. Yeah. That must be why she went in. But Ryan... Johnny is able to convince Glenda to go back to the house and she agrees because like we said she sees her movie playing and people in the theater watching it and she doesn't really understand that this is a retrospective and people don't really care anymore but she believes she's a bigger star than Desmond led her to believe and she wants to know why he kept that from her. I thought it was just way too easy for Ryan Johnny to get I her. thought it was way too easy. <laughs> um, she was so rough and ornery and contrary yeah. as a character to all of a sudden go, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Back at the house, Desmond is now trying to convince Lily that if she goes into the movie, she can be young forever. When Glenda arrives, Desmond takes the opportunity to grab the gun that Lily's holding. And of course, he's shot in the struggle and dies. Lily decides to jump into the film to save Mickey, and I suppose to end it all, since she's so ill and has just killed her husband. And when she does that, Glinda thinks she's free. But the old Lily dies in the movie and Glinda vanishes a little more horribly than she did the other times. 
and she takes the place of dead Lily on screen. So at the end, there's no real explanation as to why Glenda ended up back in the movie dead when Lily went in. And my only thought about that is that Lily took Mickey's place instead of Glenda's, which let Mickey leave the movie forever, but leaving Glenda as an extra puzzle piece, not belonging anywhere. And unless you have a different explanation, I'm going to go with that. (laughs) I I think it was because she could only exist outside the movie because, as we said earlier, Lily created the character. She acted the character. And once she died, that creation died with her. And that was the whole problem with Glenda's desire to get out of the film. She would not be able to exist without Lily being alive. I think that was the the twist. And I thought it was great. I really liked that. You know, it was like, you know, you killed your creator. You killed yourself. Yeah, I'll go with that. I also love the twist because I thought the way this was going to end was that he was going to get shoved into the film. Oh. And that that was going to be his comeuppance for all these crimes that he committed, that he was going to take the place of the character. Well, oddly, yeah. If you watched any more of the episodes, that would be what most people would think would happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would have been a good way to end it, too. Yeah. 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 So did I skip anything you need, you wanted to? No, no, not at all. Um, there's only one thing that, I mean, I don't know if you made this connection. Are you ready for my theory? Go ahead. So did you make the connection between Desmond and Norma Desmond from Sunset Boulevard? Yes. So yes. I think this whole episode was an homage to Sunset Boulevard. Yes. Which is why it didn't make as much sense, because they were focused on the homaging as opposed to the... Logicking. <laughs> right, which happens often. There's a lot of episodes, and I've said it to Kim a million times, you know, I think they're just more focused on the horror, antique killing people aspect. Or in this case, like you said, the homaging, that they don't connect the dots all the time. That's what I took from this. I was like, okay, this is... I don't think the na- the choice of the name Desmond was a coincidental. I oh. think it was quite purposeful. Oh, absolutely. And the story of an aging star was part of that and 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 the twist was is that instead of the star looking to get her youth back it was the star's husband looking to get her youth back yes absolutely and i and i kind of like that i thought okay as as an homage goes this is not bad and i did think of that the first time i watched this was a couple weeks ago and i did think about that at the beginning i was definitely relating it to sunset boulevard but it also reminded me, and you probably don't watch Criminal Minds. Mm-mm. There was a Criminal Minds episode, which obviously didn't have cursed antiques or anything in it. Which is then takes all the fun out of it. <laughs> but it was, why can't I think of his name? Oh, it was really good, but it was creepy. He was a famous movie star's son, and he was grabbing women to make them play the part of his mother in, the, in her old films. So sort of like Sunset Boulevard and Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the guy? Why can't I think of his name? He was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I think. But he was also... Jack Nicholson. No, 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 no. He was in Voyager. Right. And he played uh, uh, Grima Wormtongue in The Lord of the Rings. Yes. I think so. <sighs> yes. And I don't know why I can't remember him. He's like a award-winning He's a actor. He's a wonderful actor. Yeah, he was in Deadwood. Brad Dorif. Yes. There we go. I'm pull- I pulled out the Google. Yeah. He was the actor in the Criminal Minds episode. Okay. Which okay. only made it that much more creepy. Right. But that's what, a wonderful, wonderful actor. Yes. That's yeah. what this reminded me of when I first started watching it. And then I moved on to Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Any other thoughts? Uh, no. Uh, like I said, you know, it was weird. <laughs> yes. Um, but I love the twists. 
of, you know, her surviving the attempted murder and um, holding her husband accountable. That was, I thought that was wonderful. And the twist that I, I expected him to go into the movie and he didn't. Right. And the twist of the character vanishing, which once it happened, I was like, well, of course, you know, but it wasn't exactly what I was expecting to happen. But once it did, I was like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. See, yeah. like I said, I thought that she vanished because it was Mickey that Lily saved from the movie. So this, she right. was like the extra piece that didn't have anywhere to go at that point. But yeah, what you said makes perfect sense. And what are your thoughts? What is your overall thought? Well, I did like this one. I like the story. I never liked the inconsistencies, but I'm trying to get over them. (laughs) I did like, I I don't want to say something different. It is a little different from their basic episodes. But yeah, people went in a different way at the end than expected. So I liked it. Good. Okay. So Kim is going to be off longer than expected. So I don't want to put you on the spot and I'll take it out if you say (laughs) no. Of course I'll watch another one. Okay, if you're willing to watch another one, that'd be great. Doug's done a couple over the span, and I've done a few myself, and I don't want people to get sick of just having to listen to me all the time. Plus, now so <laughs> now that it's so difficult for me to pronounce things, it's yeah. even worse. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. All right, great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. All right. My pleasure. All right, so we'll see you next time. Okay, you take care. All right. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.